2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. I was kind of trapped around the lie that like, well, if my grandma isn't going to go to heaven, then why would I want to go to heaven? Well, God doesn't love me, so he doesn't love her. So this is actual eternal separation from her. God healed me from my depression, my anxiety, and my grief all at once. It was just gone. And I have no words to describe it other than just it was gone. Yo, welcome to the Death of Life podcast. I'm Richard Young. This is another wonderful episode. Uh, today's episode is with my sister, Michaela. And I met Michaela back in 2020, I think, 2021. And, oh man, I love her story. What is this story about, Michaela? So my story basically um, reinforces that I am loved by Jesus. And um, rather I believe it or not, um, I am loved, <laughs> I am valued, I am chosen, and um, I'm worthy to go to heaven. <laughs> yeah, this episode is... is there's some throwback millennial jokes in here that you uh, might <laughs> might appreciate, might not. Um, and there's some laughs and there's some freedom. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, with that all being said, let's let's start the podcast. So buckle up, strap in. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Man, this is real talk. God is loving on me. Colorful and innocent, that's on me. Got me standing in the light. So, um... Man, think back in 2020, two years ago, I think so. when I was recording with Jadra, yep. she was, yeah, she, she was telling me about this girl at her church and, um, she was like, I've got to tell you what happened. And I did, <laughs> did she, um. Did she tell that story in her podcast? I haven't heard her podcast in so long. 
It was Does she pretty talk vague. about that, if you remember? It was pretty vague, yeah. She kind of went over, but she skipped a ton of information, and we actually talked about it after. But but that's you. You're the person she's yes, talking I'm, about. Yes, yep, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm happy. To, I'm super excited to hear this whole story. Um, so where do you, where does your story start in your mind when you're thinking about your life and death? Where Where do you feel like that starts? Well... I've thought about this a lot. I don't think I, I grew up in a Christian home and uh, my parents loved me a lot, but they didn't love each other a lot, which I think is a pretty much common theme. And um, my mom couldn't have kids originally. And like one day she was just pregnant with me before they were going to do IVF. So I'm kind of like a Bob Ross happy accident, <laughs> but <laughs> I um. I knew Jesus most of my life. My mom, that was like her goal was to make sure that I knew Jesus and I knew that he died for my sins and loved me. But um, my deception started about like preteen age when, when, you know, I more so was, I guess, targeted by different deceptions in my life. And it just kind of played out from there because I started to believe them. So what were they? Yeah. What was, what was the first one that comes to mind? Well, um, the main lie that I think I believed the most was that I was not lovable. And um, that came from some of my father's, um, um, I guess, the way he talked to me sometimes. And our fathers very much view God. You know, they resemble God in our lives sometimes. So I think I kind of was starting to learn I wasn't lovable and I wasn't worthy. And I think the women in my life also kind of attributed to that just because beauty standards and diet culture and all of that. Like if you weren't on a diet, you were not doing the right thing and you were not reaching toward your maximum potential. <laughs> Lord have mercy. So you, you're what, what, what time are you a preteen? Like I'm going to guess you were born in like 1998. Oh no, when, I was born in 94. So, um, okay. Two, so two, early 2000s. So, Mid 2000s? So you're growing up in the time of, of social media. Mm -hmm. Social media is, you're a millennial, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so social media, you grew up with it. Mm -hmm. I vaguely remember the dialogue. So tell me, <laughs> <laughs> tell me about like, were there lies that came from growing up with social media? I don't think so, because, like, my social media was, like, MySpace and Facebook, like, early, that kind of stuff. So it was more like right. uh, worthiness, like, you know, are you going to be on their top five on their profile? <laughs> like, it wasn't so much, like, beauty standard like it is now. It was more so, like, do my friends like me? Do they think I'm cool? Like, am I doing the things I need to do to have friends? That kind of stuff. Oh, I mean, but that's really real. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I mean, it's hard enough trying to fit in and be affirmed as it is like when you're scrolling through Instagram and you're seeing all of this stuff and it's just, I mean, that's hard in and of itself is to just, I want to be in their top eight. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and uh, for, for those of you who don't know what we're talking <laughs> about, in the turn of the century, there was a website called myspace.com that you could put your top eight friends, but then other people cheated and put top 16. <laughs> I um, remember that. <laughs> anyway, so, 
so beauty standards that was one of one of those things that uh lied to you and told mm-hmm. you that you were less than yeah and how know, did my, you deal with that well um i didn't really learn to deal with it actually until freedom because i still very much found worth based off of the number on the scale how i was feeling that day what i looked like that day how other people saw me you know, if anyone had anything negative to say about my physical appearance, it was huge. But freedom just kind of hmm. took it away. <laughs> it's beautiful. So physical appearance, what else? You said there was another thing. Well, um, I grew up, since I grew up in the church, like basically since I was in the womb, I was, you know, in the church. Um, there were a uh-huh. lot of um, church standards that kind of, skewed my belief on Jesus and who Jesus was. And that affected me majorly going into my teenage years with, you know, you're never going to be good enough for God. You're a dirty, filthy rag. Like, you know, just on and on of the, the things that people say with good intentions, but they don't really know what they're saying. Hmm. So who, who was God at this time then? Um, God was somebody who, when I needed something, I would ask him for things. Um, when I wanted forgiveness, you know, because I thought at that point, me asking for forgiveness was what gave me forgiveness, which was huge. And, um, he was basically just this, um, like I loved God. I knew he loved me. I didn't really think that he loved me equally as others, like, I wasn't in his top five, <laughs> but he was somebody I knew I had to respect. <laughs> you didn't date God's top eight, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't top eight with God, but I knew I had to respect him. Wh- and why not? What he wanted. Um, just why were you not top eight? I don't know. I I look back on that now, and I really wasn't given a reason to believe that I wasn't in God's top eight. <laughs> it's just a deception that I wasn't lovable. That came from my. You know, my father, my father loves me very much, but his actions sometimes, you know, when I was growing up, they didn't always portray that. And I just think that majorly impacted how I viewed God. I think I wasn't in God's top eight because I was looking at stuff I shouldn't have been looking at. Yeah. And so if you're looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at, you can't be in his top eight. Yeah, right. (laughs) And so um, that was for me or... But I really wanted to to be in the top eight, but right when I get it together, right, then maybe I can be there, huh? Yeah, when you're worthy enough, God will move you to the bottom of the eight. <laughs> so, yeah, I can get seven or six. So were were you? Uh, is that similar with you, or were you feeling like you were living a righteous and holy life? You just didn't feel lovable. No, I definitely did not. I did not feel lovable, and I. Um, was not living like I should. I started pretty young having like, um, boyfriends, you know, (laughs) when we're little kids and, um, I made some pretty unhealthy Uh decisions at a really young age that really affected how I viewed myself. This, uh, this woman I was talking to today said something to me. She said, I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh She said, I've been making terrible decisions my whole life based around relationships. Mm-hmm. And I said, there's nothing wrong with you. You've just really wanted to be loved. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is you, you haven't known that you are loved. Exactly. 
And so w- you were really wanted to be loved, huh? Mm-hmm. I think more than anything, like if if somebody would have even loved me in a negative way, I still would have been like, oh, well, he loves me. You know, it was just any form of love, I would have taken it. And so you having a boyfriend um, that gave you your value at mm-hmm. a young age. Oh, yeah. And when I say young, I mean like young, like it was a miracle. My mom was even letting me <laughs> go do these things and hang out with these people. I was I was in a major Maybe it wasn't a miracle. Maybe it was a bad idea. <laughs> it was like it was I mean, probably 14 to 20 years old. I was with the same person like my life revolved around this one person. Wow. Yeah, like my my frontal lobe wasn't developed yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, women's frontal lobe develops quicker than men, but still, I yeah. don't think you're developed at, no, at that yeah. age. So, so um, because that your life revolved around this value that you were getting from being in a relationship, mm-hmm. did that make the relationship relationship seem like was extra heavy because it had so much was on the line because of it like it held so much importance yeah it really did like if if it was going good it was going good and if it was bad it was bad and most of it was bad you know we we like to remember things as good but when i went back and thought about all this i was like this is not (laughs) this was not from god at all why what was going on why was it bad well um a lot of my deception, you know, started at this age. And when you're finding value in a boy that doesn't even has, he doesn't even have his value. Um, it turns into where I love you really means I need you. And when mm. you need someone, you do things you wouldn't normally do. Like I was, I pretty much became like your party person at that point because he was kind of heavily mm-hmm. in that. So you know, experimented with drugs and alcohol at a very young age. Um, you know, went through some sketchy stuff that I just didn't have to go through. And finding my value in that just, it just wrecked me. <laughs> so I'm imagining like that back in the day, if your mom or dad confronts you about drugs or alcohol, um, you'd probably be defensive or you'd probably mm-hmm. be like, you know, like, yeah. um, but the truth is there's just this girl that wants to be loved. And if they're doing it, you're going to do it. Did you enjoy it? At first I didn't. Was like it something I, you wanted? Not at first, but the longer I did it, the more I, you know, I believed a lie and, and that lie led to another lie. And, before I knew it, I was very much a part of that scene just as much as he was. Did it bring any kind of fulfillment? Like, like was your life kind of just revolved around mm-hmm. your boyfriend and partying yeah. and that yeah. felt fulfilling? Yeah, and it wasn't fulfilling long, you know, just long enough for me to keep reaching for more because I felt n- nothing when I wasn't around him. Like I go back and I look at that time of my life and I was so numb. I couldn't feel anything. What did you want to happen? Do you think? Oh, well, at the time I thought I wanted this to eventually end up in like a marriage, you know, and live happily ever after, which, you know, the only happily ever after we have is with Jesus. <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. 
I just think my expectations of it were way higher than they were ever going to be. So then, uh, is this, this is all through high school then? Yeah. And into this college. Is, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we, we ended the relationship when I was 20, almost 21, somewhere around there. But I had found out that basically through that whole relationship that he had cheated multiple times. And at some points the relationship was abusive, you know, verbally and mentally and it just wasn't mm-hmm. a good place for me. And it was honestly God that got me out of it because I don't think I willingly would have made that decision. So as this is going on, what is God in the picture now? Like as you're, you're through your high school and call or whatever you're dealing with in this relationship. Yeah. God is absent at this point because, you know, I didn't think that he cared about the desires of my heart or really even wanted me to have it. And a lot of the thoughts kind of revolved around God punishing me for the things I had done. Like I deserved the pain I was going through. So then after that relationship ended, um, like 2014 to 2016, I think is this time era, 2013, 2016. Um, Mm. it just got even worse. Like my, um, my behavior escalated immensely after that relationship ended. So I want to touch on something you just said. You felt like you deserved the bad things that were happening to you. Mm-hmm. And that's because your behavior. Yep. Absolutely. So God was punishing you. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's exactly how it felt. So here's something that we must understand. God does not punish people who are not... Okay, first of all, I don't think God ever punishes. And mm-hmm. we have to get... The, the words we choose here are very important. Okay? Exactly. God does never... He never punishes. He does allow you to live with the consequences of mm-hmm. life apart from him. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of what he talks about in Romans 1, where he gives them up to themselves. Meaning, mm-hmm. if you want to live how you want to live then God's like, you get to live how you want to live. And mm-hmm. because the consequences of sin is death, you're dealing with the consequences of sin, like you're living a mm-hmm. life of death. You, you're you in death, and so there these are the consequences. So he doesn't punish, he just allows you to do your thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. As you be- come into Christ, when you're in Christ, he doesn't punish when you're in Christ either. He does discipline. Mm-hmm. And discipline is different than punishment. Mm-hmm. And when you are disciplined, when you are in Christ, you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know you're loved. So there's never punishment. There's only God either allowing what to happen. And then in Christ, we long for the discipline because it is what is growing us in him. Correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes. It's done in love. And I didn't. But we don't know that yeah. when we're. I didn't know we don't that. know that when we don't know who he is, right? Exactly. So you just felt like he was like sending lightning bolts for you because you had a cold or you were drunk one night and you're like, well, that because I was drunk, he's going to send these lightning bolts or because I'm doing this thing with this person, mm-hmm. he's going to hurt me this way. Yeah. Well, because I grew up in church, that whole lie of like, oh, you knew better. So it was even worse because I was like, oh, I knew better and I still did it. So it was just guilt and shame on repeat. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like, well, this is known sin. 
Yeah, right. It's and, worse. <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing. Someone said this. All sin is known sin. <laughs> like, yeah, all of it. You're, it's not like... Uh, <laughs> it's imaginary sin. <laughs> it, it's, it's all, you know what you're doing. If if you're doing something and you don't know that it like, that's not counted against you. You don't know. Right. But if you, it's all known sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but people use that. They're like, well, if you know you're doing wrong, mercy. Yes. We know when we're, we, we know, right. Exactly. And yeah. so, uh, so guilt, shame, condemnation, mm-hmm. self-hatred is hitting you. <laughs> yep. So did that get you to turn from your from your ways? No, no, it made it worse. How <laughs> did it, <was laughs> it worse. make it worse? <laughs> um, during that time, I mean, I just I made some awful decisions, like safety decisions, like to the point to where I was sexually assaulted during that time frame. And oh, mercy. yeah, it was not a good time. And um the people that I kind of drug through me during this time, like it was just me using them to feel better. And then I couldn't stop using people to make me feel better. And it just, the void got deeper and deeper to the point where I eventually got into such a deep depression. I really didn't care if I lived or died anymore at this point. I just wanted the hurting to stop. I just wanted peace. How old were you when this was going on? Like 21, 22, probably 22-ish. So you had felt like you had seen what life had to offer? Yeah, and I didn't want any part of it. Did you consider actually hurting yourself? Yeah, I thought about it a lot. And it wasn't until I really understood how the enemy spoke to us that I really understood that these were... Like, they weren't my thoughts. It was Satan speaking to me. And, but I would have these thoughts all the time, like, just driving in the car. And it'd be like, oh, you should drive off the bridge. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, where did that thought come from? Or I would get, you know, intoxicated or inebriated to the point to where I would just hope that I would go to sleep and not wake up. And, um... It's just getting worse then. Like mm-hmm. God, the, who God is in your mind at this point, there's no solace there. There's actually, you're like kind of running from him because you can't even face up with what with mm-hmm. him right now. Yeah. And, um, um, you know, going back to my, my father, who I love dearly, and he had a radical changing with Jesus. Um, a lot of the... Like my main turning point with Jesus, I I think I was 17 when this happened, but um, my father had gotten hurt and broken his back and like went through a major surgery and whatnot. And he also went through a major depression. And during that time frame, um, I unfortunately walked in upon him about to end his old life. So, well, I mean, when you walk into this room and your dad's about to hurt himself did you like did you say something did he say something was it just like oh, yeah. whoa what's going on here? oh yeah we got into a, a big wrestle <laughs> he um he um was sitting on the side of the bed and he had the gun you know to his head and um i just went up there and i took it from him and you know like, it's a miracle you know that we didn't end up hurting one another because we were basically kind of fighting over this gun at that point 
And I remember I was crying. He was crying. Like it was super emotional for both of us. And I didn't understand where he was at that point in his life. And I kind of had guilt at that point. Like, well, should I have known that he was at that point? And um, he was able to get the help he needs. And I just kind of shoved it down, you know, and continued on. <laughs> Did he give you a reason? Not that really. he was trying to hurt himself? Not really. No, he apologized after everything. And, you know, our relationship is fine now. But he just allowed lies to take him to such a dark place that he didn't feel like there was a way out. Man alive. I know. It's powerful Were though because you, was he, he loves Jesus. Was he drunk? And, no. He he wasn't drunk. He was Mm-mm. No, my Stone dad um, my dad's actually a recovering alcoholic. He hasn't drank my entire life. When he met my mom, he was sober and he really has no bad habits except he likes sweets. <laughs> <laughs> so because of this whole thing, man, that rocked you then. And that oh, made yeah. you think my dad doesn't want to be around for me. Mm-hmm. And like now as an adult, you know, I understand what he was going through. But when I was, a, I was 17, then I didn't have a clue what he was going through. And it just it changed how I viewed Jesus and... I guess I kind of have him to thank for that because it brought me to my rock bottom and now I know Jesus how I know Jesus and it's amazing. So 22, what happened? You're at 22, you're wilding out even more. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, you get sexually assaulted. You're, you're, you're going, sounds like you're just circling the drain here. Mm-hmm. What, what, what happens? Well, I, um, I'm in college at this point, and um, so during that time frame, nobody really knew what I was going through. It was very much like a, you know, we went to school during the week, and we partied on the weekends, and I graduated, and um, at this point, like, I'm a nurse. I graduated nursing school, and I started my first job as a nurse, and so at that point, like, I wasn't really drinking or partying as much because, you know, we graduated college. I had to grow up. I had things I had to do. And mm-hmm. I started my first job in the OR. And um, mm-hmm. that job is intense. <laughs> and um, I was already depressed. And I made sure that, you know, I didn't allow my coworkers and whatnot to see that for me. Um, but that job just kind of spiraled it down even more because... Um, you know, the things that you see and the trauma that you see in that position, I wasn't really ready to see what I saw. And, um, you know, it's weird to think back, like I'm 23 years old at this point, I'm a kid and I'm saving people's lives. (laughs) It's kind of (laughs) terrifying. Yeah. So you're working in the OR, man, there's, there's a lot of heavy stuff. You're dealing with death. Mm -hmm. Um, and still, would you would you have considered yourself a Christian if someone would have, like, mm-hmm. in the OR and they say, do you believe in Jesus? What, what would you have said? Oh, yeah. I was actively praying with patience at that point, and I wore the mask of Christian very well. Like, nobody really knew how deeply I was hurting and what I was going through. And I kind of had that mentality of, like, God can love other people, but I'm a different story. So, um 
it was really important to me to let other people know that God loved them at that point in my life. Hmm. I know, isn't it? Somebody <laughs> <So backwards>. I, <laughs> somebody, I, man, somebody I know that I think you know as well, um, at, at your church, one time said something to me like, "I just want to get into heaven and and I'll sweep the floors." Like, oh, I can't. I, I, I can't like oh. I can't be there. Like, it's not for me. It's for other people. Mm-hmm. But if he just lets me sweep the floors, yes, and. That, that still rocks like my kind of soul. Like I, that still rocks my soul. Like knowing the person that said this. Like I think she. Do you know said, that person? Do you know who I, I'm talking about? I lo- yes, I love this person. She's <laughs> she's awesome. <laughs> she actually said that the day that um, I realized how Jesus actually felt about me, and it just made me ball even more. I was like, you don't. You think you have to sweep the floors? <laughs> okay, we're gonna talk about that when we get there, then. Because. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So okay, so what happens after you're 23? What keep going? I met my husband at 23. Um, I think I met him. I thought Blink 182 said nobody loves you when you're 23. I'm <laughs> right. sorry, that's an inside joke for millennials. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. Too. We'll cut it. We'll cut Eddie, it. do not do not remove don't remove that Eddie for all the Blink 182 fans. So you're 23 um, and you met you meet Big Nate. I meet Big Nate. Yep. Where'd you meet Big Nate? Oh gosh, we met on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good for I, good for y'all. I have told Swipe everyone left. I ever knew that we met in high school, and it was a lie, y'all. We met on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the truth and shame the devil. What, uh, so, uh, you, I got to hear about this Tinder profile. What made you? Uh, Swipe to what is it? Swipe to the left, swipe to the right. I really don't know. I think when, when, swipe. I don't remember. It's been so long. <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord that you're right. So, <laughs> no more Tinder. What, what was it like? It was like, did he have a beard on Tinder? He why did. Why'd you? He had a beard what, and big muscles. What was it about him? It was the muscles. <laughs> well, if I'm being <laughs> like, honest, look at this muscly arm bearded boy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, if I'm being honest, at this time I had gone enough. I had had. I'd had enough of the flavor of the week kind of thing. And mm. I made a deal with God. I remember the exact day. It was July 31st, 2016. And I was in my car talking to Jesus. And I said, don't you send me another man. I said, I'm done. <laughs> I don't want a husband. I don't want any kind of relationship with anyone. And I am no longer going to be asking for one. I meet Nate August 1st, 2016. <laughs> You're like, God, I don't want no man. I'm done with this. Let no me man. open up this app on, on my phone real quick. Yes. Oh, look at the muscly arm bearded man. Right. Yes. Well, he actually to the right. <laughs> he actually messaged me first and I was like, Oh, what does he want? Like I was so done. Oh, so point. you didn't go on so you didn't go on Tinder anymore. I mean I you thought he was cute. But I was, I was looking for my flavor of the week kind of thing. You know, I wasn't looking for a relationship. And um, so you were looking for a good time, not yes. a long time. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. As the All country right. song states. Yes. Um, so he messages me and he's like, oh, like he, he still has me believing to this day that he was just on Tinder to meet friends. And I'm like, Nate. Oh, ain't yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Ain't yeah. nobody on Tinder trying to just make friends. <laughs> But he asked me out for coffee, and I hate coffee. I hate coffee. And I was just like, um, 
And I was honest with him. You know, I was trying to hurt his feelings at this point because I'm like, this guy needs to leave me alone. <laughs> and he just kept on pursuing. I don't know why. I was not very nice to him, and I, which I apologized for. <laughs> and uh, we just went to the movies, and that was pretty much it. <laughs> Cats in the hat. <laughs> uh, the way I got my wife to actually go uh, on a date with me mm-hmm. is that I told her that she had been really, really mean to me and to make it up, to make it up to me, she was going to let me go and buy her a coffee at Barnes and Noble. And because I'm going to buy her that coffee, that she has to be nice to me. And, uh, this is after her turning me down. Yeah. It was after me, after her turning me down, she probably turned me down five times before that. And finally I was like, nah, that's not cool. You're like, I like the chase. uh, yeah to the listener uh bargaining with coffee on tinder <laughs> or in the in the cafeteria at union college is the move it is so, uh, i don't even you like went coffee. To a movie do you remember the movie <laughs> i don't i don't remember the movie at all and you don't rem- i think he scheduled the movie on an app and he like accidentally scheduled a movie for arkansas it wasn't even in the state of missouri at the time and i was just like oh, oh this guy's mercy. a ding dong he's a ding dong but we went to a movie. I don't remember what it was, though. And after the movie, we went back to my place and I made dinner because we both hadn't eaten at that point. And um, uh-huh. I put a movie on and we both fell asleep on the couch. Like it was the first non-sexual relationship I think I had had in years. <laughs> and he woke and up at like, like wow. 3 o'clock in the morning like, oh, my gosh, I didn't want to stay tonight. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, trying to lure him into my to my dungeon. And he's like, no, no, I have to go home. And he went home. <laughs> Man, Nate. What a good dude. I know. But it fed that lie of rejection, you know, that I wasn't worthy. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's a spicy gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, the spicy gentleman uh, the spicy that wakes gentleman. up at three in the morning and doesn't go, uh, doesn't get trapped. Yeah. Okay, so then what you got how long did it take for you guys till you guys got married? Um he proposed seven months later. He proposed that March. So like and, March of two thousand seventeen he proposed. And you guys were just you guys were just crazy about each other or mm-hmm. uh Yeah. And you're and you're like, I I thought I told you God I didn't want no man, yeah. but now here's it. It was a joke. God likes to tell me jokes. He, I'm sarcastic, so God is kind of sarcastic with me sometimes. It's great. <laughs> God's not dull. I want everyone on this podcast to know God has a sense of humor. <laughs> so what was your relationship like as, you, as you, you're dating and you go into marriage? Like, what was it built on? Um, well, at that point, you know, I was still pretending to be the good Christian that I was. You know, internally I'm suffering, but... If you look, if you would ask me, I would tell you I love Jesus. And um, at that point, um, we were different religions, and it was super important for both of us to be equally yoked religiously, just so there wasn't any kind of, you know, like raising kids, there wasn't any difficulties or arguments. Just we just wanted to be equally yoked. So um, I told him about what I believed, and he told me um, what he believed, and we both did the research. <laughs> Which in my head, I was like, he's going to change to mine. (laughs) 
And um, (laughs) (laughs) Nate was actually convicted. You know, I really didn't have a whole lot to do with it. I think I gave him some DVDs to watch and he was convicted. And um, so we both. what, What was the conviction? He was con- Sabbath or? Yeah, he was convicted about the Sabbath and he was convicted about like um the dietary needs, you know, and all of those things that we think are super important. <laughs> it's like <laughs> and, I shouldn't be eating these pork rinds. I I'm going to start eating veggie links. Right. And I think his his family is like a long line of like um pig farmers, so I knew this wasn't going to go over well with his family. <laughs> and um but he was convicted of it and um he eventually gave his life to Jesus and he got baptized into the Seventh-day Adventist religion um, the day after he proposed. So that weekend was kind of like a engagement baptismal thing. Like that's how he tricked me. He thought we were going to celebrate baptism and he actually was proposing. So we went into the relationship and in marriage um, on the same page pretty much. That's awesome. So how did it go? Um, If you're still living in, some deception and some lies. How did the relationship go? So we get married in October and my pastor at the time when we were doing, um, marriage counseling, like pre-marriage counseling, um, he knew us on an intimate level and was able to actually kind of talk with us. And, um, with Nate's lie and my lie, if we both allow Satan to win in each of our aspects, it causes isolation and not oneness And it's kind of like a perfect Mm -hmm. disaster because I have like this fear of rejection and not feeling worthy and this and that. And um, if he also kind of has the same lie. So when we both choose to believe that, we would believe the other one wasn't interested and we would kind of dissipate. So he kind of warned us of that before the marriage started. But we were like, oh, no, that's not us. We're going to be fine. (laughs) Uh, You weren't fine. Right. (laughs) We were not fine. No. So we get married in October. Everything's pretty good. The first year of marriage, you know, we're kind of in that honeymoon phase still, and we're drinking and partying and having fun, and I'm working a lot in the OR, and so I'm really never home. And the time I am home, I don't want to talk because um, I've talked all day at work or something bad happened, and before freedom, I was not really willing to open up. My family would joke and they'd call me a stone. <laughs> they still stone. call me a stone sometimes. <laughs> yeah, the ones that don't know. And um, so he was feeling very much lack of intimacy and so was I. So eventually our oneness was not very one anymore. <laughs> so were you like frustrated with him and were you just like, who is this mm-hmm. dude? Or he wasn't showing exactly, up for you? Yeah. Well, and he also kind of had a tendency to watch things that he shouldn't watch. And early in our marriage, um, Jesus actually took that away from him, and that was amazing. But he still didn't really know how to connect after that. And so then when he wouldn't want to connect, I would feel rejected or unworthy or ugly or fat, just whatever, whatever words you want to put in there, I was believing it. And um, bitterness kind of creeped up in both of us pretty quickly after that because I was getting my validation from my husband and not Jesus. So how did you guys deal with that? We didn't. <laughs> we just kind of, we we, had, we would fight and, you know, we would get nowhere essentially. And um, 
I would give him the silent treatment. He would give me the silent treatment. Um, he would usually apologize first. Nate is always awesome to apologize first. So go Nate. I'm getting better on that now. (laughs) And, um, that's just kind of how we lived. We didn't talk about our feelings a whole lot because it didn't go anywhere. It was just this circle that never got resolved. Hmm. What did it look like from the outside? Did it look like you guys were doing well or was it like, eh, Oh yeah. Everybody thought we were super happy. Yeah. People thought we were so happy and so in love. And when are you going to have kids? And when, you know, just the usual stuff, we hit it pretty well from our friends and family. So it wasn't great, but were you guys committed to like, yeah, we're going to figure this out? Or were you just Mm -hmm. like, well, I guess we're in this thing. Well, we're just. Yeah, no, we were both like, oh, I guess we're miserable till we're dead. And that was just kind of what we were going to go with is (laughs) we're miserable till we're dead. (laughs) We did this to ourselves. (laughs) Well, you you played yourself. So uh, (laughs) mercy, miserable till we're dead. Right. Yeah. And then um, in 2018, this is kind of where um, my rock bottom hit. Like, I didn't think I could hit any more rock bottom than I did, but I did. (laughs) And um, my grandma, she was always my best friend. She was somebody that I grew up really closely with. I, you know, call her after work. We would see each other three or four times a week. She was my person, and my person passed away September of 2018. So we weren't even hardly married, you know, barely a year at that point. And my, um, I just shut down at this point. Like I was just, if I thought I wanted to die, then like now was actually when I wanted to die. How did that affect your, your relationship with your husband then? Did he see you like get, go dark into deep into depression? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How would he handle Um, it? He didn't know what to do at all. I completely disassociated from my family, my friends, my job. Like I would just do the bare minimum and go home. Um, Church was just kind of a routine thing I did. Just it was fireproof, you know, fire retardant. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. um, I just um, completely wanted to die. My whole life was done. Wow. So what happened? Um, Well, I think like with me being a nurse, like while she was, while she was passing away, I didn't really realize the identity and the worth I had put into this person my whole life. And Mm -hmm. um, when she died, I was there when she died. I helped the coroner put her on, you know, get there ready and everything. And yeah, I, I just like tortured myself and, um, after, after she passed away and the funeral was over and anything, I don't really remember a whole lot after that before freedom. Hmm. Cause it was just kind of this blur of everyday stuff that I was doing to just be alive, <laughs> to try and survive. And one of my friends was living with us at that point, And I really think if she wouldn't have been living with us at that point, that I would have tried to kill myself at that point. What What is it about your grandma dying that now is making you say, my life isn't worth living? I think I saw a lot of myself in her just because I was so intimate with her. And 
I knew what her relationship with Jesus was like. And, um, you know, at least I thought I did. And I was kind of trapped around the lie that like, well, if my grandma isn't going to go to heaven, then why would I want to go to heaven? And I'm not going to go to heaven anyway. So then like death for me wasn't, it wasn't this hopeful thing, you know, that Jesus talks about death being asleep and it being, you know, we can have hope unlike the rest of the world. But I took it as like, well, God doesn't love me, so he doesn't love her. So this is actual eternal separation from her. If you have a testimony of something that has happened or a life that has changed because of an understanding gleaned from this podcast, I would really love to hear it. Um, So could you please email me, Richard, at lovereality.org, so that I I could hear this testimony and maybe get in contact with you? Because it's what we live for. It's what I love the most. It's why this podcast is here. So uh, email me at Richard, Richard at lovereality.org. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks. So this is fall of 2018. Yeah, she died in September. So then it was kind of like a year that, I mean, Nate didn't know what to do at all. He would try to comfort me. He would try to, you know, do the things that husbands do to try to make their wives feel better. And I just was so bitter. I just didn't really even want him to try and help me. Mercy. So uh, then what happens? You just, this is what your life is, just kind of a... Mm-hmm. depression and yeah and uh, yeah and i i wouldn't go get help you know i was just like ah, i don't need help <laughs> were you going to church and uh yeah yeah but it was it just kind of empty <laughs> just kind of empty platitudes yeah, it was just routine yeah mm-hmm. well i didn't actually believe that church did anything i was just so um trained that that's what you do that it was just something i did hmm so then I think it it had been a year at this point. So like September, October of 2019, Nate and I get in this really big fight. And, you know, he's essentially like desperately reaching out at this point going like, you're not okay. And, and we're not okay. And um, the fight escalated to the point to where Nate actually asked me for a divorce. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What did you think when he said that? I was appalled. I was so angry because I was like, well, how dare you not understand what I'm going through? And, you know, the things I said to him were just awful. Like I told him, I think like you had just never understood what loss is because you've never lost anyone. And I would just say these awful things to him. Like, well, when you lose someone you're close to, like, don't count on me being there. And there's so much anger and bitterness and, I just think he didn't know what to do and he couldn't handle it anymore. So then did you start talking to a lawyer or were you just like, you just let Mm -mm. that cook for a little bit? No, it was just a big fight. And that same night, you know, we got into this fight. We resolved, you know, quotation Mm. resolved it. And um, I put on the guilt and shame pretty hard on him after that. Like, 
anytime I got a chance to jab in there that his, you know, he didn't mean it when he buried me and his vows were worthless and my ring was worthless and his word was worthless. Like I, I was so harsh to poor Nate. <laughs> How did he, uh, I guess, did that make you feel better? I thought it, it made would, you feel but it really high and didn't. mighty or yeah. as I felt so bad. I'm like, I gotta do something. <laughs> gotta get some of my, my pride back, you know? <laughs> Mercy. So, um, what happens after this You're You made up it. You're putting the guilt and shame on them pretty hard. Uh, and mm-hmm. your guys are, your marriage is, you've only been married like four or five years now, right? Uh, yeah. Five years this October. So this was like, you've been married three years That's, when this is happening. Yeah, this was like the first two or three years of our our marriage. Wow. Yeah. So what it, happened? It went downhill pretty quick without Jesus. <laughs> um, so then like fast forward, we go through the holidays and um, this is kind of where um, I meet Jadra. This is kind of where Jadra comes into the picture. Um so I met Jadra in June of 2020. She um, started going to our church. She just kind of randomly showed up one day because her parents went there. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm super depressed still, and I still want to die. But I know better because, you know, it's the impardonable sin I've been told my whole life. So I was like, well, I can't kill myself, so I'm just going to have to live this way. And... Um, I meet Jadra and she walks into the church and I think Eddie and Jayla were with her that week that she came because she had actually spoke with you two weeks prior to this. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of where everything starts to fall into place. If you want to hear that story, that's um, episode three of the Death Alive podcast. (laughs) Pick number three, my lord. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Episode three uh, is, is Jadra's story. But, uh, so she walks into church with Eddie and Jayla. Mm Mm-hmm. And there weren't a whole lot of young people at my church at the time. So Nate and I kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, like we were (laughs) the only people under 40. And um, um, she comes in and sits down and I already hate her. Like I come like you hate her. She's I hate her. I'm like, she is too happy. I'm like this. This I just I remember just thinking like this girl's crazy. And um you know, Rodney preaches his sermon and everything. And this whole time, I'm just like glaring at this girl. I'm like, she's too happy. Like, this is annoying. And um, she's like squirming in her seat. And if you know Jadra, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh She just, she can't sit still. (laughs) And um, I keep thinking she's going to like stand up, like in the middle of the sermon, in the middle of praise and prayer, like she's going to stand up. And I think the Holy Spirit at that time kind of told her, like, it's not time yet. You got to sit down. (laughs) And um, she was obedient. And then at the very end of the sermon, she stands up and gives a short version of her testimony how, you know, she spoke with a friend two weeks prior and she was depressed and suicidal at times or had and um, was on medication for her anxiety. And like she just kind of gave a short version of her testimony and how Jesus had healed her from depression. And I just like look over at her and I'm like, she's lying. <laughs> like I was like, this girl's full of it. Did the pastor ask for a testimony or she was just like, excuse no, me, uh, she, I have something she just to say. Like stood up. The real slim shady stood up. <laughs> <laughs> 
another <sighs> millennial reference for anyone who right? doesn't. Actually, I'm do not do not look into that reference. Uh, let that Eddie, one go. Do not edit. Yeah. So she stands up and she says this thing. You don't believe her at all. I don't believe her at all. I think she's full of baloney. Why? And I just remember hate. I just remember hating her because I wanted what she had so badly, but I was not going to ask her for it. Like I was not about to ask how or when or any of this because I didn't believe I was worthy to be loved still at that point. And then, uh, you know, after my grandma died, I was also believing I wasn't worthy to go to heaven. So on top of those things, I was like, well, I'm too far gone. She wasn't actually depressed. She was probably just sad. She has three wild little boys. She was just sad. (laughs) (laughs) So do you speak with her after church or what happens? Not this week. Um, This week I kind of simmer and, you know, on the way home, I'm talking to Nate about like, oh, wasn't that so rude? And it was, you know. Um, sacrilegious to do in the sanctuary, and that was just so rude in God's house. And Nate's just like, "Okay, like, it was whatever. sacrilegious to what was sacrilegious Sacri- about it?" Because she like stood up like in the middle and was like screaming, and I was you know raised pretty conservative at the time, and I was just like, "How dare she stand and speak without being asked to speak?" <laughs> was it because she was a woman? I uh, no, I don't think so. I think it was just like her boldness was just so loud. And you know I what knew it was? I had it in me. What was it? <laughs> well, you're not experiencing what she's experiencing, so she can't be right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. So we, we don't like it when people are really pumped up about God if we're not feeling it. I know. I'm like, she must know a different God than I do because <laughs> this isn't vibing with me. So, uh, and Nate's like, a uh, cool story. He doesn't want to get in trouble. So he's yeah, probably gonna Nate still mouth does not care. He's just trying to like survive at this point. <laughs> Co pilot <laughs> Nate. <laughs> God bless and, you, Nate. Right, right. And um, then she comes back again the next week. And this was the weekend of June 27th, 2020. And this was, this was the day that God did it for me. And it was so beautiful. Um, So she comes to church again, and I'm at this point, like, I hate her so much, I'm going to prove her wrong. (laughs) And (laughs) I know, isn't this crazy? This is awesome. (laughs) And um, after church, like, I just remember standing up. I didn't stand up. Like, the Holy Spirit literally was like, we're getting up. And um, I just went directly up to her, not hi, hello, my name is Michaela. I just said, I want what you have. I thought you and hated her. She, Why are you asking her this? I did. I don't, exactly. It makes no sense. It was not me. <laughs> and um, at this point, she kind of invites herself over to the pastor's house for haystacks, and we get invited too. <laughs> and um, th- that was kind of the plan. Like, Jadra was like, oh, we can, you know, I can tell you my testimony, and we can talk over lunch. So then we all kind of plan to go to lunch together. All right, I'm excited for lunch. What happens at lunchtime? <laughs> so we get to the pastor's house, and it's just the pastor and his wife. It's um, her parents, and I think it was just her. I don't know if her husband and kids were there. I don't think so because I wouldn't have been able to be. I'm not a super kid person, so I would have been distracted the whole time, and uh-huh. I think the Holy Spirit kind of knew that I needed it to be an adult environment at the time. And um, so we eat our haystacks, and 
We're just making small talk. And the whole time I'm thinking, like, I'm going to prove this girl wrong. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Like, I'm going to show her that this isn't real. <laughs> and um, we get done with lunch and everything. And she's like, oh, let's have a Bible study. And let's, you know, I'm going to talk about my testimony. And we, you know, gather around in a circle. And I'm like, great, we're going to sing Kumbaya. Like, this is wonderful. <laughs> and... um she just was like, oh, let's open to the book of Romans. And so we open up to Romans, and we start, I think, in 6. I don't think we even started with 5 with Adam and everything. Um, we mm -hmm. just started with Romans 6 and started reading. And she calls me out immediately and is like, Michaela, I want you to read. And I'm mm -hmm. looking at her like, I don't like being the center of attention like you do. I just, I'm just hanging out here to see what this is all about. But... My pride was like, well, you have to read. She asked you to read. And so um, I start reading and I get, you know, Romans 6 verses 1. We get through that. And we get Romans 6 verses 2. We get through that. And we reach uh, verse 3, 4, 5, and 6. And at this point, I'm trying not to bawl. Like, I'm holding it back. I'm so angry. And um, Jadra's sitting beside me, like, on my right-hand side, and then I have her parents on my left-hand side, and I'm facing the pastor, just so you kind of get, like, a view of what this looks like. And mm -hmm. before, um, she hadn't really said a whole lot because we were reading. And I read verse 7 that, you know, if you, if you are dead in Christ, you are dead to sin. Mm -hmm. And I just remember reading that, not knowing it was in the Bible, and looking up at her, and I'm like trying to hold back tears. Like it's ugly. Like my lips quivering. My face is red. I'm sweating. And why? Why? Jader what was it saying that was making you so emotional? Because it's what she said after that. Because I didn't believe I was free from sin, first of all. So the fact that that was even in the Bible, I was like, what? And um, Jadra looked at me and told me, Michaela, don't you know you're going to heaven? She spoke directly to my deception, like my main deception, my grief was that I wasn't worthy or lovable and I'm not going to heaven. And if I'm not going to heaven, neither is my grandma. And it was like, I just remember it was like, it almost felt like Paul when he was, you know, Saul to Paul. And then I felt like I was the woman at the well at the same point. But I just remember feeling like a veil was lifted out of my eyes and like Jesus washed mud off my face. Hmm. And I just looked at her and I started bawling, like hmm. hysterically bawling. And I'm not a person that cries in front of people. I used to find a lot of shame in that. And I just lost it. And I'm crying in front of people that I don't know. And people that I didn't necessarily even want to cry in front of. And I mean, it was like three hours of bawling. And I just kept looking at her like, is this real? Is this real? And I remember even looking at the pastor, like, I need confirmation from you that this is real. And he just was staring at me like, like the look on his face, like almost like he was just as confused as I was. Like it was just, God healed me from my depression my anxiety and my grief all at once. It was just gone. And I have no words to describe it other than just it was gone. Like in that moment, in that Sabbath afternoon, as you guys are 
yes. reading Romans six. Mm-hmm. Like God, God healed me. Like, like if I would have, like if He would have touched my eyes, that's what it felt like. Like one minute. I was depressed and suicidal and I was full of fear and shame and guilt. And the next minute it was gone and I was just in shock. And it was because of some truth that you had seen? Mm-hmm. And the- yeah, it's because the Holy Spirit used Jadra to speak such like huge truth over what I was believing. Because not only did it heal me from my depression, but it healed me from the belief that you know, my grief, it healed me from the belief that I was not worthy to go to heaven. And it also kind of took that grief away from me because it also showed to me that like Jesus loved her grandma more than you did. I think he knows if she's going to be in heaven or not. And it was powerful. I mean, it was instant. And so Jadra's saying all this stuff. Mm -hmm. How much of it is like landing with you and you're like, yes. I was so focused on Romans 6 verses 7 that I didn't care what the rest of Romans said. I knew that I was, you know, I knew that I had died with Christ and, you know, by faith I died with him. And that means that if he resurrected, I resurrected, which means that I'm free from sin through Jesus. And nothing else mattered because that weight that was lifted off of me, like, that was enough. <laughs> I was just sold. <laughs> Were you amazed that you hadn't heard it before? Yeah. Yeah, extremely. And I kind of went through a small phase of like, why did no one tell me this? And um, I kind of vowed to myself that I wasn't going to talk to my mom right away after hearing all this, but I did. It was immediate. Like the next day I was like, hey, mom, did you know in the Bible it says that through Christ we are freed from sin? And she's like, oh, well, you're misunderstanding. And, you know, you have to be careful who you're friends with. Like I'm pretty sure she thought I was in some kind of Jadra cult. (laughs) (laughs) It was just... I don't know. It was so life-giving. Like, I felt so whole. And I had never felt whole my whole life. But I was whole. Like, I did not need another person or a thing to be whole. So then what, like, after that, it was just on, like, you were, like, God is a real thing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first three days after freedom um, and understanding the gospel in a different way, it was just like I was in shock. Like I was just, my thoughts were quiet. Like for the first time in my life, my head wasn't full of deception and it wasn't like it was just quiet. And I hadn't heard quiet in so long. I was just in such a like peaceful state of just enjoying the quiet and just so thankful that Jesus loved me. Wow. So how long is it after this that you get baptized? Um. Well, I immediately want to be rebaptized because I had been baptized once when I was like 13 or 14, but I only did it because my friends were doing it. And I thought I loved Jesus at the time. So I was like, well, I need to do it. So, um, I wanted to get baptized immediately, but it didn't really work out that way because we had some new church members that were doing Bible studies. So I was just like, oh, well, I'll just wait for them. So, you know, we can do it all at once. And um, in that time frame, Jader had sent me um, 
Jonathan Leonardo's videos to watch. And um, I made it through every single video in like less than a week. I was watching them on the way to work. I was watching them on the way home from work, all my spare time. Um, I read the whole New Testament in like two months because I was like, well, if I miss this, what else did I miss? And I like (laughs) skimmed through the Bible like a mad person. And um, I started understanding the gospel the way Jesus had intended it to be understood. And I was understanding what identity in Christ looked like and how the correlation in the Bible correlates with the gospel. And it was just so cool. I was learning so much information. I was like a sponge. (laughs) What? So there's this moment, I think, where I I got to talk to you guys. And uh, all I'm hearing from Jadra is like, like, there's something happening at this church. And I think I saw the video. I think Jayla and Eddie went down where Jadra baptizes you, right? Mm -hmm. And you're at a river or something. And I'm just like, what is going on? And this is, this is, I'm not sure. Well, Jadra baptized me in September. Pardon me? I said Jadra baptized me in September 2020. So it was just a couple months after that, but... Yeah, the pastor actually let Jadra baptize me because the Holy Spirit told him that it, this was not his, that it was hers. And so I'm, I'm like mid-trough, you know, sitting there. And um, he just looks at Jadra and he just goes, this is yours, it's not mine to do. And Jadra and I are bawling. And she just said, she's like, well, I don't know what to say. But she just goes, Michaela, I love you so much. And I told her I loved her. And she said, you know, I don't remember what she said after that, but then she dunked me. It was so beautiful. Like everybody was bawling. <laughs> and I remember watching the video. I remember being like, what? And we we're just like in awe of how Jade was moving in the spirit. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> then I think I heard later you guys were saying like there was like a misunderstanding about sin or something that you're like, it's impossible for us to sin now. We're free from sin. And so um, I remember this phone call that I have with you guys. And who was there? It was like you and Nate and Jadra. Do you remember this phone call? Vaguely. I think what happened was somebody had um, thought that's what we were saying, but we didn't, we knew that's what we weren't saying, but we didn't know how to say it in a way to where it didn't sound like that. So then we were like, well, we need to call Eddie and Richard and see what they have to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the, pa- I think some, like the pastor called me or something. Something. I don't know. And was we were like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we had a great talk and there was like a lot of understanding. And then, uh, man, I was so blessed to be able to go down to your church and hang out with you guys. And it's kind of cool. Like when, when you hear somebody has received this thing and they're like, they live in your state, you're just like, what? Mm-hmm. I want to go talk to them. I got to go mm-hmm. talk to this person. And we get down there and we're able to spend like the Sabbath with you guys. And I think it's one of the first times that I, since being fired from whatever, um, that I got to get up and preach somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so I'm preaching and it's just so good to see like... <laughs> Half of the church was vibing with it and half of the church wasn't. And so there it's was the like left side that's the left weak. side of the church. <laughs> it, uh, 
What did you say? That the left side of the church was the weak side. <laughs> They're not yeah, and so yet. like there's one section of the church is like, yeah, and then the other <laughs> section of the church is like, who, what is going on here? Yes. And Jayla's getting up and she's... Yes. And um, we just get to vibe with you guys and you're so excited. Like I got, you gave me the biggest hug. You give my kids hugs. It was just so good. Like you were on fire. Um, and there was just like, this is who I am now. Mm-hmm. And I think I sat with your mom at lunch. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, yes, please <laughs> sit with my mom. <laughs> yeah. And just to see your energy and to see like you were alive. Yeah. Um, did you ever go back and start thinking like about old you like, or like did thoughts or patterns creeping back in or like, how have, how has it been walking this thing out? It's actually been, um, it's been so cool. God is just, he's so cool. Um, after I, um, you know, learned this new understanding of the gospel, um, more than half of our church also did. So, I mean, it was, I don't even know how many, but there is a large group of people that just accepted the gospel and were freed from their deceptions and their lies. And we kind of had this group of people that were learning this together and were supportive of one another and honest with one another. And that was the most important thing at that time for me that I think I needed because about six months after in like December January, you know, um, some old habits or I guess thoughts, but they weren't really habits, but, um, you know, Satan likes to remind us of all the things that we've done because he doesn't want us to know who we are and, um, you know, who we belong to. And I was able to go to that group and tell them like, I'm struggling with this or, um, I need you to speak truth over me at this time. And it was just, it's, we still have that connection with these people and it's that was tremendous for us at that time because we were all learning it together, but we were also learning how to listen to the spirit and, you know, um, basically just to trust Jesus fully and what that looked like and how to start living that. So when this person says that they just want to be, they just want to sweep the streets of heaven. (laughs) When that hit you, was that in this group? Like you guys were meeting and you're talking about this stuff. Yeah. And, um, she said that the day that I realized that I was free in Jesus and I just remember looking, was that on, was that at the, the, the meal? Yeah. With, she she was saying okay. it like two hours into me crying. Like I still had a good hour and a half to go after that. And she was crying because I was crying and I was talking about how I didn't feel worthy because Jadra wanted me to pray And she wanted me to ask the Holy Spirit what lies I was believing and kind of start working through that. And um, worth came up immediately that I wasn't worthy. And um, we spoke truth over that and, you know, spoke what Jesus says about us, not what we believe. And Shanna just started crying. (laughs) She was like, I think that I have to sweep (laughs) the streets in heaven. She's like, I don't care though. If I have to go sweep, that's what I'll do. And that just like, that did something to me. And I don't think she realizes what that did, but I was like, how can you think that about yourself? But I thought about that about me. (laughs) And this lady is the sweetest, most wonderful lady ever. And she's saying this stuff. Yeah. It's it's amazing when the enemy's just like, no, you're not. You think you're this, but 
or just like you're yeah. you're less than and we're just like oh it's true well and i couldn't dare like i couldn't look at this person and say that to her or about her but i could say it about myself at that time and i think that really helped me realize how skewed my view was on how god saw me because i was just so touched by that i'm like she thinks she has to sweep the streets to make it to heaven <laughs> It was so sad. And you're like, you don't. I have yeah, to like, sweep the streets. Me. You're not going to take my job. <laughs> you can't take my job. I'm going <laughs> to lick the streets. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's so it's been it's been a couple. How long has it been? Two, two years, years, year in and a half, June. two years. Mm-hmm. Two years in tomorrow starts June. Mm-hmm. So what do you feel like you're growing in the most right now? What's what's God disciplining you about? What's he teaching you? Oh, there's so much. Do we have time for this? <laughs> <laughs> so I am still a nurse. I got out of the OR, and I work in oncology right now. And God straight up has me where he wants me. And I have so many wild stories with my patients. And I kind of started living this out by testing it out at my job first because I knew that as a nurse, I do have a mission field and it's people who are hurting. And um, God has just blown my mind with some of these oncology patients. Um, hmm. One patient specifically, it was like the first patient that I like boldly in faith prayed for God to heal him. And God healed him. Like his, it was just, I we were learning about boldness at the time. So this was pretty fresh into you know, freedom. And I just heard the Holy Spirit tell me to pray with him. And then I needed to tell him that we can come to our father boldly and ask for things that we need. And I mean, I just remember this day, like it was yesterday, like his scans were clean. Like this man that we thought wasn't going to live a couple months, his scans came back clean. And I mean, it just... It's so emotional to think about. And that's not, that's just one story. Like I've been doing this for almost three years now and it's just insane. Like I get to tell people every day who they are in Jesus and not how their circumstances make them feel or how others make them feel or even how cancer makes them feel. And I think that is, that's the biggest thing right there is that I, I get to do that for God for other people right now. Wow. Yeah, it's big. Like at first it was just yeah. praying with people, but it's um it's kind of escalated to more of that some days. And um it's like it's impacted the people I work with because they see the things that are happening and God has surrounded me with some Jesus loving people and we get to talk openly about Jesus and about our identity and how we see others and um, how to just kind of work through those times where we don't feel, you know, feel (laughs) how we think we should about ourselves. And it's been such a blessing to my life, even though it's kind of sad to work in oncology, but it's been, I, I think it's an honor to be with people at the end of their life and to get to change how they view themselves and how they view God. Praise the Lord. Right. You are the aroma of Christ when you walk yeah. into that patient's room. Yeah. 
Like when you walk into that patient's room, Christ is walking in because yeah. he lives in you. And he's like, I'm going to operate on this earth through Michaela. How cool I'm going to operate like- <laughs> in this. I'm going to operate in this room, in this hospital right. through Michaela. Right. And it's just, that's it, crazy. it blows my mind. Like I, I don't even have enough time to tell you all the crazy things that have happened, but there have been some people who majorly have had their lives impacted by, by the, the actual gospel, not, you know, the gospel that we learn through man, but like God's gospel of love and, you know, how we, our circumstances don't define us, and that includes cancer. <laughs> like, and it's just so powerful yeah. to be able to to talk to people that boldly and pray with them and and encourage them that you know he's coming back soon, and we're not going to have these bodies that are sick and don't work properly anymore. And it's just it's amazing. I think some days I am tempted to believe that. Um, I am a servant of God and not daughter. And I think I struggled with that a lot of the times until a couple months ago, God really kind of hit me in the middle of the forehead and was just like, you're a daughter first. You're not a servant. Like (laughs) we've gone over this, but um, that's kind of, I guess, a habit you could say that I tend to sometimes fall into. And it's just because my job is so servant based a lot of the time. So um, not so much anymore, but that's something I commonly used to fall into was, I'm going to work. I'm going to work for you, Lord, and I'm going to be miserable doing it, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) So um, that mindset's changed majorly. Well, the servant doesn't stay in the house forever. The daughter stays in the house forever. Mm -hmm. And and the thing about cancer is it doesn't have the final say. Mm -mm, It doesn't. Suicide suicide doesn't have the final say. (laughs) It doesn't, no. Um, Sickness, disease... It doesn't have the final say. In Christ, we are healed. And if we don't see it right now... We're healed while we're being healed. Yeah. If we don't see it right (laughs) now, that's not going to shake our faith. Yeah. And and Tyler's going to love this, as I've never actually met Tyler, but Uh I love his podcast. And I have told people before that it's just a victory lap. Like, I steal that, Tyler. So... (laughs) Yeah. That's just a thing that... You know, a lot of my patients really grasp onto that, that it, we're on a victory lap, even though it might seem like it's a miserable one at times, but it's just a victory lap. Michaela, you are, you're a testimony and hearing your story, um, I think it makes me emotional because, you know, if you listen to the episode number three, where um, Jadra gets free from depression and it's mm-hmm. through this conversation that God used me to have with her at this beach and mm-hmm. I tell her this crazy thing and and you it, started this you know <laughs> it took a few hours it took uh, it took half of the day and by midnight she's <laughs> like she's like something's different and then she goes and she preaches this gospel and to this church and this church like the pastor told me that he needed, like they were needed to move. They needed to build a new parking lot because of how many yeah, people were, was, were coming we're to freedom. We're rebuilding onto the church right now. And I'm just like, what? And to hear you tell a story about somebody who had cancer that the Bible says we will put hands on the sick and they will be healed. Yes, That's like what we, we are do. the disciples, literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, 
and to hear that you're doing that and there's miracles going on and God is using your good works to have his name glorified, I can't help but to think, wow, um, God loves us so much. And it's such a privilege for, for me to be a part of your story uh, and to hear this life that you're living, this newness of life. If you could go back and, and grab a hold of 13-year-old, 14-year-old Michaela, who is uh, only seeing herself through, you know, what she feels about her body or what she feels about how her boyfriend's treating her or whatever, what would you tell that girl? I think the main thing I would want her to know was um, it's not humble to agree with the enemy. And what I mean by that is you're not, you're not honoring God by saying things that God wouldn't say. Like, um, you know, with, I didn't believe I was going to go to heaven. Us not speaking in confidence that that is ours because God said so. That's, that's huge. I mean, we're coming into agreement with the enemy and I really think I would encourage her to, to take her thoughts captive and to speak truth over those negativity that comes to your brain at any point in time. Like it's so important to speak truth over negative thoughts because that's what's true. And if you're not allowing deception in your life to fester and for you to think on it and stew on it, it doesn't become an identity or a reality for you. And that's something that, you know, I obviously would want her to know that she's loved and she's beautiful and she's worthy, but I really would want her to have the tools to know how to stand in truth so that this never would have had to have been an identity or something that I had to go through. Wow. Michaela, this is a beautiful story and I just, we're going to, it's just beautiful to see how God has used you to love other people and how he's loved you. So thank you so much for sharing that. It's a huge blessing. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Got me singing like glory. Yeah, it got me telling my story. Know that your love is pouring on me. And love is pouring on me. River flowing in and never ends. More than life, more than me, more than just pretend. And you can feel in freedom from within. Free to fly, be the child that you always been. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. We would love it if you could share this so that people could hear uh, more of these stories. And a way you can do that is to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a high rating. If, if you give us less than a five star, I'm inclined to believe that you're not really rocking with us. So give us a five star rating and, and throw a comment in there. If you're going to talk about us on social media, go ahead and use the hashtag death to life. And let's get that hashtag going. This podcast is a production of Love Reality. And if you want more information about Love Reality, go ahead and check us out at lovereality.org. This show's produced by Tyler Morrison and Katie Prusha. The sound and editing is done by Addison Collingsworth and Eddie Cornejo. And then the Johnny on the spot is Annabelle Harper. And the artwork is done by Felix Gassman. Thank you so much for listening. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Thank mm-hmm. you.